What's uh, I forgot to ask this earlier. What, what's uh, Paul Rubens like? Uh, Paul is very uh, low key. He's very low energy in person. He has a deep voice. Because that you know that character he's not obviously the character at all. Yeah. He doesn't carry that kind of energy. I mean, his performance in, in Blow early in the 90s um, was just incredible. And it gave yeah. me this whole new appreciation for him. And, I, I mean, his role was just incredible. And he's done a lot of other things since then. But That's, that's, more, of his, that's more of his energy level, that kind of low-key kind sure. of guy, you know. What the hell is that? Stone on Air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on Air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. And welcome in to the Stone on Air podcast, the first installment of August. And we lost Paul Rubens. That was Wayne White with me in 2017. If you're a regular, you heard that whole conversation a couple of weeks ago. Wayne Arama is back. I'll touch on that and plenty, plenty more as the Stone on Air, Stone on Air, excuse me, podcast is underway for Thursday, August third. I maybe should have redone that open, stumbling all over the place, but I don't feel like it. How the hell are you? Doing pretty well. Getting an early start yet again always makes my evening and day go better. When I can get things done quickly and efficiently. Still have a night. Got to cut the damn grass. Just had to sit through all kinds of a mess. Driving from Appison to East Ridge, which I guess I just better start getting used to. If it's not the traffic or the, uh, I should say, the construction causing the traffic, it's going to be something else. It was something that's 153 and 75, so I jumped off on Challenford and kind of Tetris my way through town and eventually made it. So appreciate you making it here to find the most listened to podcast in the city of Chattanooga that is about this city, or at least somewhat, and the surrounding Areas today, I have a, a little different layout, not uh, not too much, but a little bit. So I'll go ahead and tell you about it right now. I will have three pieces of audio for you, but it won't be until the third segment of the show. I was going to do it here in the open, but I've decided to uh, bump that to the last third of the show. Uh, a new podcast that I am going to uh, try to get off the ground. Might not be until next year. Really could take that long, and I'll explain more of that in the final segment. I've mentioned it a little bit here uh, in the past. A friend of mine doing uh, stories from Fish Tour and beyond, uh, global to, uh, to a certain degree. I'll get to that in the final segment of the show and play a few clips from the pilot episode, if you will. And in the second segment of the show, I am going to give you a uh, play-by-play, for the most part, of my ride-along with the Chattanooga Police Department over the weekend. And a quick spoiler, I loved it. I loved it. I'm so happy I did it. I uh, probably won't do it again, even though I kind of want to, because it wasn't that eventful. But it didn't really need to be to fully appreciate and understand what was going on. So... um, 
I'll uh, lay all that out. I took notes while I was there, and I did, don't tell anybody, I snuck my phone and did a little bit of video stories for Snapchat and Instagram, but we don't have to tell anybody about that, all right? It's kind of one of those no harm, no foul deals, though I did break the rules, but hey, that's what rules sometimes are there for, at least to bend. But uh, yeah, Paul Rubens passed away at 70. Another case of a celebrity battling cancer and not telling anybody. I mean, I, I guess it's noble. I guess it's to be commended. I guess it's a, a, a good thing. I don't know. I, I just, I struggle with it because, I mean, if I'm dying of cancer, man, you're going to know. Of course, I am the guy who talks into a microphone once a week for an hour and basically tells everything uh, about me. So some people are just wired uh, differently. Rubens uh, died Sunday night after a six-year struggle with cancer that he did not make public. And if you care, you know, Pee Wee Herman, Pee Wee's Playhouse. The thing with Pee Wee is that I was just not young enough to care about it that much, I think. And I was just not old enough to appreciate the adult um, uh, lure there because it was... it. It appealed to both children and adults. It was a very innovative uh, shtick, act, show. Um, and I, I never was a big fan. I, I remember it somewhat, but not a lot. I, it just it didn't do a lot for me. And, of course, the, the, the theater thing in the early 90s, who gives a bleep about that? I mean... Of course, at that time, that was a big deal. And these days, I guess it might still be, especially somebody who specializes in the entertainment of children. But what gets forgotten about a lot with Paul Rubens is in the early 2000s, he was uh, originally arrested for child pornography. And it is the same kind of situation that, and another one most nobody remembers or knows about, that uh, Pete Townsend from The Who got uh, tangled up in, ended up getting tossed or at least uh, pled down. It was, let's see, these uh, such small writing here, was arrested and charged with, child, with misdemeanor possession of child pornography after police seized images from his computer and photography collection, but the allegation was reduced to an obscenity charge. And he was given three years probation. Sorry, words are so tiny on here and it's dark in the room. I couldn't read it that well. But, uh, you know, that's one of those. Is it art? Is it is it pornography? I, you know, I don't know. I didn't see uh, from either Pete Townsend or Paul Rubin's case. But that one, that's a lot bigger deal. Um, if you want to know more about that, that's clearly out there for your uh, information if you would like it. But Paul Rubin's is gone. Wayne Arama is back at the Chattanooga Library. I went to the opening um, reception uh, last week. It was really nice to see a few people I know that are involved with that. Wayne White here from Chattanooga, from Hickson more specifically, worked with um, Pee Wee for years on set design. He was the art director for Smashing Pumpkins Tonight Tonight and Peter Gabriel's uh, Big Time Video. He is a Chattanooga treasure that people finally are beginning to realize over the last 10 years the amazing work that he has done. If you want to see a very stripped-down version of Wayne Arama is at the Chattanooga Library. And I know I was hating on the fact of how much money 
the uh, the new head librarian, as I referred to him as, I don't know what his actual title is, you know, how much money that that position pays and a lot of positions inside that uh, the overall library structure is quite high. Um, and I've been critical of that. But if you went to Wayne Arama in 2016 and 2017, the roughly year long installation over on the south side, you'll be a little disappointed because this is nothing like that. But if you didn't go, this will give you a nice little uh, idea of what his work is like. And it is uh, set up museum style in, um, you know, history of Chattanooga. There's um, his puppets or not puppets, the the uh, sculptures, I guess you would call them, uh, of uh, Adolph Ox, uh, John Ross, Beth, Bessie Smith. Uh, Luther Massengill, I'm just using my memory here, um, Olin Mills, several others. So it's, I believe it's free to walk in and take a look at it. I don't think you have to have a library card to just walk in the library, do you? I forgot to ask that, and somebody did ask me, is there any kind of admission? There's certainly not a fee unless you have to get a library card, but I, I don't think so. I don't I don't think so. And speaking of people passing, Sinead O'Connor at 56 had a lot of mental health issues towards the end of her life, I think. A lot of that was brought on by the way she was treated in the uh, 90s and the 2000s. Uh, she had this thing right from the jump. I remember when that Saturday Night Live thing with the Pope tearing up the picture was going on and that big controversy. And I remember at the time, I, I, I didn't know what the hell it even meant. Like I didn't know what the Pope was. I didn't know what Catholicism was over any other religion. To be completely honest with you, I don't really still hardly know what the Pope is or does because I don't care, and I didn't care then. Um, all the talk uh, in religious circles, agnostic, uh, atheism, uh, do you believe, don't you believe, all these kinds of things. You know, I'm outward here out loud about it. It's not that I do or don't believe. I don't, don't care. I don't care anything about it. Uh, do you believe in God? I, no, I don't care if there's one, right? And so I certainly don't care about uh, Catholics and the Pope, but I do care about corruption and abuse, and she was way out in front of this, way out in front of it. She started getting booed off stages left and right, pretty much derailed her entire career, and there's many videos in the past decade of her online just screaming for help, almost literally, and um, I didn't know that until you know the last week or so. Uh, sad, sad story. Wonderful voice. You know, America, of course, just treats anything like this just terribly. Oh, why doesn't she have long, pretty hair like all the other pretty girls? What's wrong with this, you know, Satan-worshipping evil person? Get out of here. Get out of here. She was correct from the jump and uh, was treated terribly for that. Uh, another thing I forgot to mention last week, the Bobcat Goldthwait show at uh, JJ's was was really, really good. It wasn't great. It wasn't the best thing ever. Um, I tempered my expectations, and um, they were far exceeded because of the temperament and not uh, expecting something amazing, and uh, it was awesome. Met him afterwards, got a great picture uh, with him, got a poster signed. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. So I'll just uh, that's just about as far as that review uh, is gonna get. Uh, let the, 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 let's see the Hoff sauce thing. They're now trying to get investors. I don't really know what this means more than the just the fact that you know going public and getting investors 
in a uh, public offering. I, I, I'm not real sure. I don't have any interest in, in putting any money in hot sauce. And I got to thinking, this stuff's been around for a while. I bought some a big variety pack for a Christmas gift once many years ago. But I finally said, you know what? What the hell? I'll give this stuff a try. It's pretty damn good. It's not so good that I want to invest in it, but it is pretty good. And it is a really, really incredible Chattanooga success story that not many people really pay a lot of attention to. The sales director, um, Hoffman is his last name. What's his first name? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, he used to work, I used to work with him years ago at the uh, beer company. And so I've thought about reaching out to him and say, hey, you want to jump on and tell me more about this? Maybe we'll do that in the future. I'm not sure. Are you tired of threads yet? All you got to do is do a Google search and you get nothing but how big of a flop this nonsense meta Facebook, Instagram, Twitter wannabe. Uh, I'm already bored using threads is the headline from uh, wherever this comes from. Uh, One recent report suggests that daily active user count dropped in half over one week. The hype hit on July 7th, and by July 14th, it had lost half of its active users. It sits at about 23 million active right now compared to 49 million the week before. And all kinds of censorship and um, just policing how you use it, what you can and can't put trying to be the nice app. I still haven't been kicked off, and I think it's because I've gotten bored trying. I've literally been just vulgar as I can be on it with you know, without doing any real harm. Uh, in one high-profile instance, Don Trump Jr.'s Threads account was flagged as a source of misinformation, and then they came out and said, oh, that was an error. We didn't mean to do that. Yeah, uh, of course you didn't. Uh, Media Matters, a left-leaning nonprofit organization and media watchdog, compiled a lengthy assortment of instances of fake news and misinformation circulating on threads. Uh, In the tech sector, this is a quote from somebody uh, from a digital marketing firm. In the tech sector, it is almost always shoot first, ask questions later, and the launch of threads shows that this is still the standard operating procedure at Meta. Meta reportedly rushed threads to market to grab the social media spotlight as they had the insider information that Elon Musk was going to take this Twitter to the to X, whatever that even means, because uh, I really actually don't. Somebody asked me, text me, a regular listener, a good friend of mine, said, hey, I don't understand this X thing. Talk about it if you don't care. Well, I'll spend a second on it, because um, I still look at it. Because st- If anything, Threads has proven that Twitter is actually pretty relevant and pretty good. Um, ditching Twitter's classic branding is the clearest indication yet that Musk intends to create an everything app, quote unquote, under a new company called X Corp. The social media company remains in a deep financial hole. One of their big investors, Arc Investment Management, wrote off its stake by 47 percent, according to uh, that was Morning Brew. So I, I it, it does appear that Elon Musk is trying to destroy what he has, I maybe there's an there's there's a an end game that works out for him and it in the long run. I can't easily tell what it is. Another thing that was sent to me by a listener that didn't take off on social like I thought it would. It's a couple weeks old now. 
minor league Chattanooga Lookouts pull Nuga's shirt after Twitter jeering. Uh, one user says, hilariously bad. Oh, no, Chattanooga, this isn't going to work. Uh, thought Chattanooga couldn't get any more racist. And this is the Nuga logo, the alternative uh, jerseys that they wear that just says Nuga on it. I actually think they look pretty cool just because I like alternative jerseys. Maybe cool is the wrong word. It's just different, so I, I like that. But this shirt had the two eyeballs for the O's in Nuga. You know where this is going. You know what people are trying to say. It's a bunch of fake outrage is what it is. Just a handful of tweets here. Just because you have dyslexia doesn't mean you've got to ruin it for everyone else. Another one says you have to dig really hard and be predisposed to using slurs in your vocabulary to see anything wrong with this shirt. And you got to be serious. You can't be serious, excuse me, right? Blah, blah, blah. And it goes on to, you know, say all the typical things that we would all, most rational and normal people say. It was one in particular. It was hardly different than any other Nuga logo I've seen them have. And they have not commented on it. So maybe that's why it stayed kind of hush because the lookouts probably very uh, uh, wisely decided to say we're not, you know, we're not even going to talk about this nonsense. Uh, coming up this weekend, the one, Highway 127 yard sale, something I used to like, I mean, spend the whole year waiting for. My house, my property basically is a secondary thrift store building. I've collected so much stuff over the years. Some would say junk. I say lots of cool things kind of hit the limit on a lot of those. So I don't do yard sales and, and thrift stores like I used to, but it runs uh, starting right now through uh, the end of the weekend. And of course it goes all the way, you know, from Michigan down into Alabama. This is what I'll be doing on Saturday. Jerry fest all day long, three until 12 o'clock. Uh, all the usual suspects that play, Grateful Dead music in town, the other brothers, um, Chance in the Void, Tennessee's Dead, uh, Lou Card is going to be opening things up early on, playing a set, a uh, solo set. I'm leaving somebody out, goes on uh, all day. They're going to try to have like kind of a, going to try to recreate a shakedown street of sorts. I'm not sure how well that'll, uh, you know, come together. We'll find out. It's not the cheapest thing ever. It's $30 day of, $25 in advance. I uh, looking forward to that. Probably spend a majority of my day there. And let the man, I'm already running out of time here on the open segment. Another perfect example of my motto. I've been fading in and out of fashion since 1997. The September IPO for Birkenstock is starting between eight and ten billion dollars. A German sandal has enjoyed several waves of popularity since it first arrived in the United States in the 1960s, and then in the 90s, and then also the early 2000s. And Burks are back. Birkenstock's revenue jumped up 29 percent to 1.3 billion last year. So yes, as I wear my Burks this weekend, I will have faded right back into fashion. And starting uh, just two days ago and going through October 31st, we're here in Tennessee going to have the grocery tax suspension. So this is pretty cool. I am the at least tied for the best grocery shopper in the world. I do it very, very uh, economically. And I'm not even going to go through the list. It's huge. Uh, so now I won't have to go to Georgia to save on taxes through now and um, October 31st. And the final one here. Cody Womp puts out these billboards 
uh, target, targeting gun theft from area cars. Of course, the DA, the sister of Weston, the mayor of Hamilton County, and the daughter of uh, Zach, the former congressional district uh, representative back in the 90s and then into the early 2000s. Among U.S. cities, Chattanooga is second only to Memphis in guns stolen from cars. Highlighted a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to read all this. But um, the uh, the local company that does billboards, what are they called? Why can't I find it quickly? Regan uh, or Reagan Outdoor Advertising basically just did it for cost. And this is just to get Cody's face on some damn billboards. These womps, I'm telling you, they just love themselves some them. A quote from the billboard company, we've got a very loud message, a very strong message, and we can portray uh, we can portray that out in the community and we can use it for good. Uh, listen, Budro, there ain't nothing more of a waste of money than spending your advertising dollars on billboards. All right. Newspapers called. They want their advertising strategy back. Radio just faxed in that uh, <laughs> your tired ways of advertising are uh, cramping their style. So uh, there you go. That'll put the wraps on the open segment. The ride along with the Chattanooga Police Department did exactly what I thought it would. It changed my thought process a little bit. Not completely, but a little bit. And it was a, a hell of a time. And I will tell you all about it coming up next. Stone on air. We'll be right back. Oh, darling, what juicy gossip I have for our listeners. Stoneonair.com. All right, some of you want to be cops. Some of you just want to know what it's like to be a cop. And others of you are made to do it because you're in a program, or you're in school, and they require you to ride along. So all of you need to know these tips on ride-alongs. I know a lot of people get excited about going. You're thinking you're about to see something really exciting. And hopefully you will. Ride-alongs are the time for you, especially if you want to be a cop. That's the time for you to realize whether this is right for you or not. And hopefully you get paired with a good officer who's willing to actually get into some stuff that day and show you what it's like to be police. And just like that, we're back. Now, this is not a flattering song about the police from Pearl Jam. WMA from Versus in 1993. Police stop my brother again. Very much complete opposite of support for the police. But I like it and wanted to figure out a way to fit it in. So um, if you're around normally, you know that I've been working on this for really uh, a, about a couple of years, at least a year and a half. And um, apparently it's a lot easier. And for some reason, I just wasn't doing it right because I had a few people say, really, it was difficult. All you had to do was ask. I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing, clearly. But it finally got accepted and I was happy, happy to, uh, to be involved. And so I'll just start from the beginning and you might have to bear with me a little bit. I uh, did not retype all this out because I just plain didn't feel like it. We recorded the uh, pilot episode for the new podcast last night. Took up majority of all my time last night and during the day today. I I I could have typed it. I just didn't feel like it. So I took two pages of notes while I was uh, riding around with Officer Matt Scott. He has been in Chattanooga for about seven years now. He was a park ranger in Colorado for uh, several years before he came here. He's a, a big outdoors guy and moved here because of the, uh, you know, the trades talking about how this is the outdoors place to be. 
and he's a very much a fan of the of the city and intends to to stay here. He is technically a rookie on the force. He uh, uh, was a park ranger here for a couple of years before he went into being a full time police officer. He graduated the academy in um, January. Yeah, January, and he's been cut loose officially on his own since May. So quite uh, quite new to the force, but clearly the guy knows what he's doing. He didn't seem like he was a rookie. He didn't uh, – there was nothing about his demeanor or the way he went about his job made me feel like this guy was kind of winging it. Um, maybe he's good at faking it till he makes it. But when I first got there, I uh, parked in the parking lot as I was instructed, and I called the – main line to say, hey, I'm I'm here. And about 20 minutes later, a uh, female police officer came out and said, hey, here for the ride along. Yes, I am. And I went into the precinct, which is right across the street from the food bank. So over there on 11th. And it is kind of a dingy place. There's a pool table. Um, they're all kind of gathered around what I guess would be the sergeant who's kind of divvying out. Uh, it was a second shift time, three o'clock in the afternoon. I don't. I wasn't listening intently enough to remember what they were, uh, how they were divvying out whatever everybody was going to do for the day. But it was very clear to me pretty quickly that whichever officer I was going to be riding with did not know until they were told, and I was afraid of that. And I uh, apologized on the front end, you know, from the jump profusely. Listen, dude, I know this sucks. I mean, it, it can't be good to get to work. And then find out you've got some Yahoo going to ride with you all day. And I just said straight up, I can be as chit-chatty as you want, or I can sit here and shut my damn mouth all afternoon. I, You know, whatever, however, I'm here to make sure that your daily, you know, duties and your procedures here are not impeded in any way. He was totally cool. Uh, I will say... The big screen on the t on the on the wall and kind of what really did feel like kind of like a a beer hall with the pool table and everything. It kind of looked like a roadhouse or something. The big screen on the wall had Fox News, so that was a kind of a bad start to the day. But so we go out to the car, and uh, the first thing he has to do there's been a called in a hit and run at somebody's residence in, on the North Shore, and this is the uh, the area that uh, he patrols is the North Shore and. At first, I thought, well, great, where all the rich people are and there won't be anything going on. Well, that's not entirely true. goes into Red Bank a little bit as well, up towards Hickson, towards the S-curves. There's enough riffraff around there, you know, over off Signal Mountain Road, Boulevard. There's there's still plenty of riffraff that could be uh, making ridiculous calls to the police, which certainly did happen on this day. So he had to file a report on that. So we sit around in the um, parking lot of the uh, precinct for... Um, a good amount of time. He shows me the computer screen. You've seen it before when you've walked by a police uh, patrol car. It's on a swivel. You can turn it to face the passenger side or, you know, facing him. I'm guessing it has all the GPS loaded on there and it's got all the calls coming in and, and it shows, you know, all the dispatch and who's covering what. And it's got kind of a color coded, uh, you know, importance level. Uh, now, I didn't get the full ins and outs of it, but it looked to be pretty simple to understand. After he gets that report filed, then we just kind of patrol, just drive around for a little bit, uh, chit chat somewhat. Not a lot going on early. Um, 
the second call that came in and and uh, something I should mention, you were you would think just from television, you know, and, and movies that the the radio, you know, the dispatch radio coming in, the scanner basically, that's in his earpiece. That's not something coming through like the dash. So he said, you know, he told me there might be times if we're chatting and I all of a sudden like wander off and he doesn't look like I'm listening. It's because I've got my earpiece in and I'm having to listen to dispatch. So a lot of times something would all of a sudden change quickly and I didn't know why, but I could, I could hear it just enough to know that, you know, like you're hearing someone's earbuds that are turned up loud, that kind of thing. The second call was, um, a, a disorderly conduct call over off Pineville Road. If you're familiar with Pineville Road, it heads down towards Moxon Bend, the mental institution, uh, crappy uh, cumulus radio where I worked for uh, about 15 years is on that road. So I'm pretty familiar with it. And uh, it is a, uh, we'll just say, mostly downtrodden area of residencies. It's butts right up into the bend, you know, the protected area there. So that's it's not the same kind of waterfront as you're going to get anywhere else. Uh, it's it, before it turns into the Tennessee River. It's basically swamp and marsh area all around the banks. And um, anybody who lives over there is mostly what I would consider trailer trash. Sorry to be so you know blunt about it, but that was certainly the case here. Uh, it was two guys that were reportedly drunk and fighting. They go to the door. I can't really see. There's a privacy fence. He tells me about it afterwards. The One of the guys had taken off. This dude had blood, They said he said, all over his elbow, knees, and, and his toes. He was barefoot, of course. And he said, but it looked like some of it might have been there for a while. Like it wasn't fresh wounds. The um, initial area of the house that they walked into, he referred to as ransacked. And they said that the dude took off up the hill. So we take off up the hill real quickly, and another officer is there as well. And there's a dude, like, basically, I mean, it's like movie style, sitting there in his overalls, like, whittling wood. I don't know if that's what he was doing, but it looked like it. Uh, the the woman, the old lady, probably she's she's watering some plants, and then some kid, you know, all dirty, running around, and they look all shocked. Oh my god, what's going on? Well, he's not up there either. Well, at this point, we pull down to the bottom of that driveway, and the two cars are the police uh, patrol cars are side by side, and the windows are down, and they call the phone number of the other guy, and a woman answers, and I can hear all this. And it's the girlfriend of the guy. His name was Robert. And they're like, yeah, we need to speak to Robert. And she's like, um, he, he's not here. Like, all right, uh, this is his phone, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, but I don't know where he is. And you just know this Robert dude's in the corner, like, you know, doing the, th- the throat slash. Like, no, no, sh- no, I'm not here. I'm not here. And <laughs> she's like, I'm on my way to my uh, mom's house. Uh, it, it was she, stumbling all over herself. At that point, there was nothing they could do. And, you know, once we move along, he's just like, you know, what are we supposed to do with this? There's nothing. nothing. Move along. Uh, I will say, I forgot to mention on the front end, I did tell him immediately that I was going to be doing this exact thing and that if anything he wants me to not write down or be off the record to be sure and tell me. And it would be completely between, you know, it would be thin air, gone. And there was only two things over the course of the day 
that he told me were off was off the record. As I was writing some stuff down, he started to tell me some things about the academy and the way that they train and um, get people ready for you know this this line of work. And he didn't want that to be something that I uh, spoke of out loud. I don't really know why, because there wasn't anything egregious about it. But he, I said, fine, you know, put the pen down, moved along. The other one was, oh, I'm dying to say it. I'm dying. I'm dying to say it. But I can't. I'm going to let your imagination work. Okay? It won't be tough to use your imagination on this. We started talking about Station Street. This is when we were just parked under a shade tree. And, of course, every time there's any kind of call... They have to write up a report on that laptop. You know how damn difficult it is to type out something accurately and quickly on a crappy laptop, especially one that's like bolted down, you know, so that that in itself is annoying as it could be. But we were sitting just hanging out and um, chit chatting. And I I said um, something about the owner of or one of the owners of the blue light and um He's, he said that's, you know, we discussed how that was a big problem for Station Street. That was not off the record. That Anybody knows that. But what he said after that was off the record involving this guy who is part owner of that piece of crap place. And um, I said uh, he thinks that everybody's out to get him. And then the off the record talk continued. Use your imagination. You're probably onto something. Uh, let's see. Uh, short, somewhere in between this, I might get some of this out of out of order. A DoorDash guy calls calls in a report because he gave the wrong food to somebody. Uh, they said he thought they were he was about 17 years old. It's a, a Chipotle order, and he said he gave it to the wrong house, and they took it. And then he realized it was the wrong house, and he went to get it, asked for it back, and they said no. And so, and you know, they're they're like, this is the kind of nonsense that just, you know, is such a waste of our time. And they had to go and then they had to write a report on it. And they said, can we come in to see if you have a bag of Chipotle food here? And they said no. And so that was the end of it. It was a $10 order, according to the officer. So they just said, dude, you're just going to have to get this figured out with DoorDash. Um, have Have a good day. Somewhere around this time, we stopped by Whole Foods. Uh, He was grabbing a coffee, and then he was showing me the map of the Chattanooga Police Department and the different uh, department zones. And he gave me a rundown of how how different officers can be called to different zones depending on the severity of the situation. It is A, B, and C. Adam, Baker, and Charlie are the names of these three areas. What, basically, Adam is north Chatt- north of the river. Uh, Baker is most of downtown towards the south end. And then Charlie looks to be the biggest area, which is then pushing towards Brainerd and uh, towards Ottawa and East Brainerd. And, um, of course, as I mentioned before, we were in the North Shore, so we were in the A department zone, or Adam. Um, at no point did he put on his sirens when responding to a call... But I, um, he did kind of drive like a maniac, but he was very good at it. And not, not a maniac, just fast. And uh, I asked him, I said, well, what's the, what's the procedure on you know, throwing on your lights or how you do or don't maneuver traffic? 
because you know I'm the guy who gets on a podcast or a blog 15 years ago or on a social media and gets the the car number and screams it out loud that this this police officer is driving erratically or not using turn signals like I am that guy I apologize but that's me how, you know how does that how is that procedure and it is done on a um, on a priority scale of one, it just I think it's just one, two, and three. One is you know all systems alert, sirens on, get here now. Two and three are just the next versions below that are you know disregard traffic uh, laws if needed to to expedite getting here, but don't use your sirens. And I guess that is just in an attempt to not make things look more chaotic than they are. So if you see a police officer driving fast, like they generally always do, I don't believe for a second that, that there's not many of them, if not a large amount of them, that are abusing the hell out of this. And based on just me profiling and being judge, a judgmental asshole of all the police officers that were in this area as they were kind of huddling up before they, you know, break for the, you know, to their, to their squad cars— there was several, you know, tatted up, thin blue line, wave the flag, looking, you know, the black, back the blue types that I'm really happy I didn't have to spend the day with. You know, it's just me being a judgmental dick about it. Um, but so there is going to be most of the time if you see a police officer driving fast with no lights on, they are still, they are on a call. They are going for backup. They're going to help, even if it's not that big a deal. If there's anything going on that involves violence or potential violence, there's always going to be more than one police officer. And if it's a slow day, there's going to be, and there's some nearby, there's going to be more than two, maybe three, possibly four. Do they all need to be driving like that to get there? Probably not. But so that's something I will now have learned to not be so quick to say, hey, Slow down, you damn cop. Turn on your lights if it's that big a deal. Well, there's a procedure for that. So that was good to know. Did not have any understanding or idea of that at all. Um, I've got here to the second page, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh uh, call, and then I'll uh, I'll wrap this up. If it goes a little long, it goes long. That's fine. About this point, it's getting close to dusk. I don't know. It's probably 7.30 or maybe going on 8 or something like that. And they get a call to North Chattanooga, because there's this yellow Mustang that is blocking a drive right behind base camp, the old North Chat Cat, right there in Coolidge Park. Not, like, parked in a parking lot illegally, parked on the street in front of an entrance. Like, only a real jackhole doesn't realize that they're doing something that's going to, at the very least, get them a ticket. And it had Alabama tags. And uh, Matt... Officer Matt Scott went into base camp, announced that he's here, and if this is your car, you need to move it. He got on his PA on the on the patrol car that you know shoots out to outside and says, "If you have a yellow Mustang, you need to move it now." No response. And I said, "Is is this what you really you have to? If anybody's parked illegally like this, you have to respond to this and take care of it." And he said, "Yes. If they were parked in that driveway, they were blocking." That would be base camp's problem. But since they were on the public street, that is a CPD thing. They call a wrecker. He writes a ticket, leaves a ticket with the car. The wrecker pulls the car off. It is Saturday night around 7 or 8, as I mentioned, so Coolidge Park is kind of busy. 
So there's like two or three other cops, lights on, blocking off traffic to get the tow truck down there. Nothing really serious is going on, but it looks like, whoa, what's going on? There's police officers everywhere. Oh, my God. Well, it's just towing a car from an idiot who blocked an entire driveway. Um, And once again, a stupid situation that brings three and four police officers when they could be doing something more productive. This is not, you know, clearly the CBD's problem. This is us as dumbass individuals creating these problems. Uh, what after that? Um, only one car did he pull over during this ride, and he tried to pull up to the car with the window. His windows were down to just say, hey, your lights aren't on. And it was just dark enough that you needed your lights on. And dude just didn't know. And he wasn't able to pull up, and then he pulled him over and just said, hey, make sure you got your lights on. War- a verbal warning, move along. Nothing, you know, nothing big. Almost feels like he was just doing something just because he had nothing else to do. But he did tell me that his general philosophy is on minor, petty traffic things. As long as the person that he pulls over is polite He's generally always going to give a warning, you know, assuming it clears any kind of background check he might run run on the tags or whatever. If it's just you or me, the random person who didn't yield or rolled through a stop sign or whatever little just stupid little minor thing, he's virtually always going to just give a warning and probably a verbal warning, which means it's nothing. But if you're a dick, you're going to get a ticket. I mean, he, he, that was not off the record. He said that, you know, he said that straight up. If you're, if you're difficult, I'm going to make things difficult for you. And that is a philosophy that I can get on board with because I subscribe to that theory. I try to make life easy for everybody around me, especially in a working situation, whatever that is, whether it's working a Bonnaroo interview or, you know, lining up guests or it's, you know, settling up invoices at a beer company I am going to try to make this as easy as possible for you as long as you reciprocate that. And if you make things difficult for me, especially these things I've been doing all my life, I know how to go out of my way to make it much harder on you. And I will. And if you want to make a game out of this, which I don't run into this often. I really don't. I I used to more when I was more of a jerk about things. But, But if you want to make a game out of this, I promise I'll win. Okay, I have the longevity and the seniority, if you will, to make this way more difficult for you than it will be for me. And I'll have fun with it. So when he told me that I I could nothing but could appreciate that. Be nice to police officers, no matter how bad you hate them. All right. Even I know that. Um, Just a couple more here. The last two towards the end of the evening, I got a text from the drummer of the uh that you heard from on the show last week, Angie Lisi from Fingernails Are Pretty, that she had listed me for the show at Barrel House Ballroom, and I had decided I wasn't going to go because I I thought I had to stay on this ride until it was over at 1 a.m. It had been 3 p.m. to 1. And I was happy to stay that length of time because I was very much enjoying myself. But I kind of wanted to go to the show, too, especially if I knew it wasn't going to cost anything, and I wanted to talk to Angie. And so I said, hey, um... You know, in the next hour or two, a couple hours or so, because especially since the precinct is so close, and he mentioned this early on. He brought it up without me even asking. If you want to be dropped off early, man, I don't care. Well, I mean, I'm sure he would love to rather not have somebody riding with him. 
So I took him up on that offer and I, I rode until 10 p.m. But uh, before that happened, we uh, responded to a tree down in the road in North Chattanooga. It's not really a police thing it's that they have to do anything just other than be there to document it. And uh, Public Works comes and cleans that up. There was some uh, weather off in the distance. It never hit downtown, but there were some lightning strikes. And it looked like it might be, it might get nasty out. We parked underneath and one of his buddies pulled up in the parking deck right across from Coolidge Park for a little while because we thought it might rain and uh, we're just going to wait it out. That kind of answered the question. Are you going to go patrol when it's raining? No. (laughs) No, we're not. We're going to try to do nothing while it's raining is basically uh, what he said. But it never actually rained. But I'm guessing maybe one of those lightning strikes got that tree because it was a mess. Now, I was told dress nice, you know, business casual, I guess they call it. I don't own a pair of nice pants. And I thought last week, well, I need to have a pair of nice pants. It's ridiculous. I'm 43 years old. I need to have a pair of nice pants. So I went and bought a pair of dicks. Very nice. They're basically, they're technically, they're golfing pants. And they were $80. But boy, they're comfortable and they fit well. And I wore the only good shoes I have. And it's just throwaway uh, polo. You know, I don't care about it. We get up there. He's like, hey, you want to get some exercise? (laughs) I didn't want to say no. He's like, you want to help me get some of these limbs out of the road? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'm like, damn it, man. I just got these $80 pants. I don't want to drag tree limbs all over the place. So I got out and helped a little bit and didn't really do much. And um, then Public Works got there. And then that was it. Boom, done. And then the final call that I was on before he dropped me off, and then I'll wrap up this segment, was the most, um, I guess, exciting would be the word. Uh, nervous, a little bit, could also be a word. We're standing around in the road, and there's three or four or five people out there from the neighborhood. They're raking, and you know, people are helping get it out of the road. Someone's got a, a chainsaw out there. And he's like, because uh, you can only get out of the car if the officer tells you that you can get out of the car, or if you ask permission. And um, he was like, hey, 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 come on, we got to go. I was like, oh, shit, all right. Jumped in the car, and boom, we're out of there. Fast, flying. No lights, but flying. And we're back to Pineville Road. At this point, he's not talking. I can't hear the radio. He's not telling me what it is. My first thought is, okay, we must be going back to the, to the rednecks that are fighting's house. Maybe they found Robert. Um, that was not the case. That was not the situation. We hang a right off of Pineville Road if you're coming from Single Mountain Road. I had never been down this road before, and it kept going and going and going. And I did hear, I was able to hear, resi- I thought I heard residential, and it, uh, it wasn't residential. It was this warehouse with big, like, tractors, like uh, bulldozers, and big, uh, like, 50-gallon barrel drums, and this, bi- and this, you know, fence that should be closed with razor wire, and it's open, and there's an alarm going off. And we're and this is this is I'd say an eighth of a mile off the road of Pineville Road. That's a long ways off Pineville Road. You're almost to the water at that point. And so I I was able to to gather that somebody had broken in to some degree somehow. The gate was wide open. The door was open to the facility. Another cop pulls up. All their lights are on. The alarm's going off, and I pulled my phone out and made some clips on this, so if you saw it on Snapchat or Instagram, again, don't tell anybody, please. 
but it was a little spooky. And um, I, because I have no clue what's going on. And this lasts 10, 15, maybe upwards of 20 minutes. And so basically they're just guns out, you know, clearing the building, securing the building. And once they do that, that's basically all they have to do. That's kind of, you know, the, the alarm company calls the police or, or the alarm company calls the owner. The owner calls the police. They secure the building and uh, we leave. And he does mention that there's a fence on the back end of the property that's getting down close to the water that is all dilapidated. And it's just a marshy mess of, you know, copperhead snakes and and frogs and and whatever else you know wildlife and just uh you know he was like we're not you know we're not out here trying to patrol all that we secured the building and then you know we're out of here we've done our job it it kind of felt like a scene of a movie for a minute and it was the closest i got to any kind of real excitement and that was about it that was about 10 o'clock so you know that's seven full hours there's a couple more in there that I, I'm not remembering that, you know, amounted to nothing. And I just said, hey, man, um, since, you know, we're right next to the interstate, you care to go ahead and shoot over to 11 to drop me off? He's like, not at all, man. We'll go. And we head over there and we're we're about we're past Main Street and we're getting close to 11th. And um, and he's like, oh, shit, you're not going now. Hold on. And he spins it in the middle of the road and turns it and heads the other way. He's like, I got it. I got to hit this call. And then he and then he he has second thoughts for some reason, and he calls on his cell phone, and he said, "He's these were almost the words." He said, "Hey, are you hot on this?" He's like, "Hey, you okay? Are you good if 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 I'm a couple minutes behind you? Is everything gonna be all right?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm guessing that's what he said." He's like, "All right, I gotta drop my ride along. I'll be there. You know, boom." And so he turns back around. We're just I almost was like, "Just drop me off, dude. I can walk there from here." Um, I'm glad that he didn't do that because I didn't want to actually do that. And because, you know, down by the food bank, it gets a little iffy in those areas. And he dropped me off, and that was it. And I went to the show at uh, Barrel House until almost midnight and called that one hell of a Saturday. You know, one minute I'm driving around in police cars, listening to sirens go off, talking, hearing drunk guys fighting and cars being towed and uh, whatever else and then i'm watching a rock and roll show for a couple hours so it was one hell of a saturday in my book and there you go that's my story of the ride along from this past saturday coming up next i'll explain uh what this podcast new podcast is going to be about it's not going to be for all of you absolutely positively it's not going to be for all of you but it might be for some of you and i will uh, explain what it is play a couple clips from it and wrap up today's show on the stone on air podcast next now back to more stone on air that's exactly what i wanted to hear stone on air uh, the first book I read, I told you, it was uh, No One Gets Out of Here Alive. Yeah. It was the snow of 93 or something, I believe, where we had no power in the South for a week or two at a time. March 1993. Yeah. And uh, I remember I had this book. We had no video games, nothing you could do. And so I was like, 
you can only make so many snowmen, you know, before you're like frozen. So I went inside and I found this book and I started reading it and it was like I was in another world. And to watch this guy's life and to see how much he accomplished, especially looking back on it now, uh, to have a life written, uh, a book about you at that age, you know, it's like he accomplished a lot within his 27 years. You well, know? that band accomplished a lot in about four years. Yeah. Uh, it's iconic. As, as it, yeah. I think 66 to 60, it was 70, I guess, 66 to 1970, put out two and a half, three albums a year at that time. Which yeah. Unheard of. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed, uh, that escape and that adventure and, that imagination that I could go anywhere and do anything. Or... Well, I just got into town about an hour ago. Took a look around, see which way the wind blow. Welcome back in. That was Scott Moore, one of my oldest, longest friends. Not one of my best friends. Not even, I would even say, one of my really good friends. Just a guy I've known my entire life, and he, but he is one of my favorite friends. Have you ever really thought to think about what who your favorite friends are? Doesn't mean they're anything more than just that. One of my favorite friends. Because of Scott, I love the Doors. That was part of the story there. But because of Scott, I love driving and crying. Um, maybe I would have loved those two bands without him. Very likely, I probably would have, but the the lineage goes back to uh, to him on those. Um, I didn't get my dead fish or jam band love from him, though I did uh, understand that it was a big part of his life for um, all the years that it was. We talk a little bit about it on the pilot episode, which I will be dropping, as they say, on the Stone On Air feed, because I haven't set up a feed yet for his, because we... Don't really know when we're going to do this yet. Um, we recorded at the at the Common House. The I'm having, I won't bore you with it, but I'm having issues with their equipment syncing up with mine in the best way that I know how to use it. And we were there last night for uh, two, three, about three hours, and I was just terribly frustrated because I could not get what I needed working, working. So in the end, I said, I'm not going to make this whole night for nothing. And I just downloaded this app on my phone, a record app, and I plugged into it. And that's why the, my voice was a little echoey is because it was picking up the microphone from my phone. He, he was further away. So his microphone was less getting that. It's not feedback, but kind of double echo sound. We'll work on that. I'll get that part fixed. But it was fine. For what we did yesterday, it was fine. And um, he, he has been traveling the world, literally, for 27 years. And I've, I knew this, but I didn't know to what degree. And once we finally got things, and I got the phone plugged in, and I just said, all right, you know, the, the common house closes at 10 o'clock. And it was like 9.30. And I was like, let's, let's just go. We did not discuss a thing. We did not. He didn't have any notes. I didn't have a, a, a road map, if you will, a show sheet, as I call it. I don't do anything without having at least some notes in front of me. And I just said, let's go. Boom. 25 minutes later, I had to wrap it up because we were going to get, you know, run out of there. I didn't want it to get to that point. I wanted to respect the place and, and leave. 
And uh, I think he would have sat there and talked until the next morning. Um, it was a really fun 25-minute conversation. And uh, I'll play you a couple clips from it from right now. He starts off uh, early on in his life as a big deadhead at, at like 14, 15, and 16 years old. And he was getting ready to go. Hold on, I'm jumping ahead of myself. This is later on in the conversation when he spends eight months abroad from Amsterdam to Thailand to France and other places in between. And this is uh, this is great. This is one of the best parts of the conversation from last night. And uh, the the podcast is called, at least the working title right now, I don't love it, but we're going to work with it, This One Time on Fish Tour with Scott Moore. It's kind of wordy, eh, not really an acronym, not really sure what we'll do with it. But uh, this was him talking about hanging out with people in France. Met some really good guys in a band, and they showed me all around France. It was Music Month, and it was uh, huh. it was beautiful. I got to drink five dollar crafts of wine, and I got to meet all these different people in bands that like knew me like I'm a rock star because I'm the American, and uh, you know they all want to talk politics. And Arnold Schwarzenegger had just become president, and everybody wanted my opinion on that. And governor, you mean? I, uh, that's that's. But I was like, I, I didn't know any of this. I have no idea what's going on in American politics. I've been out of the country for eight months. You know, I've been like traveling. I, I don't know what's going on. People are like, what do you think about Arnold? I'm like, Arnold Schwarzenegger's yeah, governor? Terminator 2? I'm like, oh, what do you think about the war? I'm like, what war? <laughs> I, I'm so out of the loop. I'm like, catch me up. Tell me. I, I, you know why this is happening? Because I'm not there. <laughs> It's because I'm here with you guys. Everything's out of control. <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't have left. Dang. I'm guessing that was around 2003 uh, because that would have been, I'm assuming, talking about the war in um, in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I believe that's about the time Schwarzenegger was governor of California. Second clip out of the three I have for you is this was when he was about to go on tour with the dead just starting to really get excited about this um, this traveling circus. And then Jerry Garcia dies. And one of his, uh, he had ran with a lot of older guys uh, at the time, as as did I during those years. And uh, that one of them was a fish guy about to go on tour with fish. And he wasn't sure about it. He didn't know if it was going to be for him. He was all into fish. And I was like, not, I was more of a Grateful Dead fan. I didn't really know much about this fish. But at the time, it was kind of like a knockoff. Sure. I, I thought of it a generic tour, and I didn't think it was going to be as exciting as it was. And it was more exciting than, I mean, still to this day, if I have a choice to go see, like, and the, no, people are going to, you know, I might have backlash against this, but like, I'd rather go see fish than dead and co, you know, oh, I know you've told me it's, that. Uh, it, it, it's just, they're so progressive and so still energetic and alive and still putting out music, you know, that it, it's, it's got a, a pulse to it. It's alive and it's a living organism that travels around the country summer and fall. Yeah, and only in a perfect world in America that we live in, which is not perfect at all, uh, can a big widespread Panic fan be the producer of a guy who wants to do nothing but talk about the band Fish. I do not care for Fish Live at all. I love their music. I'm not a big fan of them live, but I am a huge fan of the jam band festival circuit scene, uh, at least the uh, 
in theory, uh, these days in reality, not as much, but in theory, always have been completely fascinated with it. And, and, and not in theory for almost 20 years, I was involved in one way or another, not, not like Scott, but in my own way. So I completely get it. And, um, I, I love it. So this, this whole conversation on this evening was just kind of an introduction. Again, we had no plans. We had no idea where this you know conversation was going to go. And so it was just kind of introducing who he is and what this is. And so that's where it started in 1996. And 27 years later and 400-plus shows later, Scott Moore has many, many stories to tell, and I cannot wait to hear them uh, just myself. If, if, if nobody listens, I don't care. I look forward to hearing these stories myself because it's not one of those I already know what he's about to tell me. I won't know from one week to the next whenever we start rolling with this, which it will be episodic and it will be seasonal. It won't be like once a week, you know, for you know every week of the year. We're not going to do this 52 weeks a year. Haven't figured that part out yet, but it will be a new, fresh, fun story for just me. So, so it just be a hobby if nothing else. Another supposed for-profit. Venture, the final clip from uh, Scott Moore from the pilot episode of this one time on Fish Tour. And I was hooked. I I'd planned to see. Uh, there was Park City, Utah, uh, Alpine Valley, and Deer Creek, and then Atlanta. And I was going to jump off after the Atlanta show. I had only those tickets. And what are we talking about? 97, 96. 96. Yeah. And uh, we did that first leg of the tour and I was supposed to come home after that Atlanta show, but it seemed like we were just building momentum. And when I got the option to either go two hours back to my house or continue this tour, it was like, there was no choice. It was like, I'm going to finish this tour. <laughs> so, well, I mean, the, the, the bug bit you, right? Oh yeah, I was hooked. Um, I ended up uh, doing the whole tour. I mean, didn't have the money to do it, but in that environment, there is a community where you can make money if you're just, um, if you're dedicated to it. And we'll probably get a little bit more specific on that kind of stuff as this uh, progresses. But uh, appreciate you guys and gals taking a listen to that for a couple of minutes. I, I'm not sure if it's going to be Friday or Monday, but it will show up in the Stone On Air feed. So you'll see it. It won't be this show. It'll be that. It's 25 minutes long. If you want to give it a listen, I'd appreciate it. And if you don't, that is totally fine as well. And that is all I have for you today, August 3rd, 2023. Time flies. I ain't got a thing to do with whether you're having any fun. But recently, I've been having a lot of damn fun. And I'll be having plenty of fun this weekend at Barrel House Ballroom and Jerry Fest. Grateful Dead music all day long. And uh, that's it. Talk to you later. Bye. Waiting for the time when I can finally see this has all been wonderful. But now I'm on my way. It's time to leave it all behind I try to find a way to But there's nothing I can say to make it stop